Today's guest is writer, actress, comedian, and producer Esther Povitsky. You know her from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Alone Together, and the Hulu series Dollface. After talking with Esther, I'm even more excited to see her new special, which is coming to Comedy Central July 17th. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. I wanted to ask you, do you think that the human imagination is greater than reality or less than what's more powerful in your mind? I think the human imagination, right? I don't know. I feel like the best we came up with are like aliens that sort of look like us and a unicorn. I think we've accomplished a lot. But when I think about like really exciting, fun dreams that I've had, I'm like, oh, this is so much better than what could really happen. (laughs) Is that just sad? (laughs) I like to present a strong case that reality is actually greater than our imagination Because I like feeling humble. While I view myself as an imaginative person, I don't, like, I don't know if I could conceive of a sea anemone, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I really don't think I could have counted on my imagination to, like, make the sky. Esther, I was listening to one of your podcasts, and you described it as a mid-century modern. So embarrassing. So fucking rad. So embarrassing that you listened and that that's what you heard. No, but I love it. It made me feel, I don't know if you ever read Anna Green Gables, but when Anne finds her best friend, Diana Barry, she's like, I finally found a kindred spirit. And when I spoke to you, was it yesterday? I was like, Esther's a kindred spirit. I just know it. (laughs) I feel that way too. Comedy girls unite. I don't know if there's like a point in your life when confessions of love or admiration feel more liberating, I guess. Or I don't know if it's either exhaustion or courage that eventually like leads you to that place of being generous with compliments. Yeah. So how have you been during these crazy times? I mean, I started 2020 in a in a panic. Like I almost feel like the pandemic is just everyone catching up to me and my mindset. Like I had a really busy year last year and then it ended and I had nothing to do. And it was like all those anxieties that I had pushed aside so I could get my work done. And, you know, so I could do what I had to do just kind of came to the surface. And I just kind of had this like little, I don't know, mental break, which a mental break is just a mental breakdown, but you don't say the word down. And like, I went stay with my parents for a month and in Illinois, which I love being there because I'm from there. And I feel like I'm just kind of finally becoming myself again. But it is interesting because I don't know if you have this too, where in this career, it's like you're either go, 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 like working 18 hour days and you're gasping for like a free minute or they like push you out and there's like, you have nothing to do. So figure out how to live life normally. Bye. And then you're like, I can't, I don't know what, how completely. Yeah. Throughout my career, it's the same thing. There'll be, you know, three months of intense work that's exhausting and heady, so heady. And then the months without work that should be relaxing 
But there's always the uncertainty of like the next job or what do we create? Yeah. You're supposed to relax when you don't have work and it's like not possible. And I feel like it took this pandemic for me to learn how to have a hobby. I literally never had a hobby before. That's fucked up. Like I started tie-dyeing shirts. That's an awesome idea. I know. Well, we tie-dyed one day and I was like, this is the most fun I've ever had. I'm doing this every day. And now I like have a tie-dye, I guess you could call it a fake business. I don't really know. Are you selling? I am. Really? There's none for sale right now, but there will be. (laughs) It's called Sleepover by Esther. But this is my point though, is that like, that's mental health for me, you know? Like that's a hobby and I never had a hobby and now I have one. And it's like the biggest, greatest thing that could ever happen. (laughs) Do you ever escape mentally? No, I don't think so. Even in my sleep, I'm not sure. (laughs) I am trapped. Don't you feel trapped by your own brain? Doesn't everybody? Of course. Are you kidding? Of course. So I want to ask you about your time with your parents. That must have been intense, like a month with your folks during this time. It was, you know, it did make me realize that if I ever wanted to abandon my life and move back in with my parents, which is kind of like my little fantasy, if I did that, I would probably have to like build a shed in their backyard because it's not realistic for me to live in that small house with them. (laughs) It's not like the traditional like, oh, she's home. Let's welcome her with open arms and feed her till she's full. No, it's more like, all right she's here again. Like, what do you want for dinner? Was pizza okay? They're kind of over it, you know? Like, I'm just not one of those kids that they're that excited about. Do you guys watch movies together? Sometimes. I have a hard time focusing on movies. So, like, I don't know. I feel like in iPhone world, I kind of am always connected to my phone. People get mad at me when I watch movies with them. Like, my fiance is like, you can watch this with me, but there's you get two questions, okay? And if you're not paying attention, that's on you. You get two questions. And so eventually I'm just like, all right, we don't watch movies together anymore. We're finishing up Westworld. Oh. Have you seen it? Yeah, I need the closed captioning on. It's so confusing. Oh, God. It's a homework assignment. Yeah. It's great, but it's homework. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Esther, can I ask you a series of life questions? These are some questions that we ask guests guess guess i'm having trouble doing double s's like masks like do you have enough masks 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 that's not easy oh yes i put all the masks in the car <laughs> masks. why does that sound so messed up <laughs> what's your favorite ice cream flavor cookies and cream oh right oreo yeah like an oreo blizzard yeah what's your favorite um I don't know. I would have trouble if somebody asked me this question because it's kind of, it's slightly boring and also it's very mood dependent. Mm. You know, like a mint chocolate chip or like a Java chip or something, you know, like I do like a little crunch. I like a little texture, but mostly it's sort of a perfunctory uh, question before we get to like sort of the harder shit. Oh no. I thought that was the hard question. (laughs) You're funny. Okay, what would you eat for your last meal? Let's say that you don't know it's your last meal. Mm. But maybe, you know, your murder is about to happen. Or maybe you're on a hike with your fiancé and you guys have a picnic lunch and then, whoops, you fall off the cliff or something. (laughs) 
this isn't a scary story at all. Oh gosh, last meal. I mean, you got to go for me just like a big bowl of really good house-made pasta with a really like salty garlicky tomato sauce. Are you into like truffles or do you like that kind of thing? No, I haven't gotten to that level yet. But like (laughs) fresh basil, I don't understand what flavor profile truffles are like I don't get it yeah I think it's all scent but it's really heady and it's really I think very intoxicating in the best of ways what is like the best meal for it to be included in oh I would definitely do like a homemade pasta or maybe a risotto something with like cream or parmesan something simple because the aroma of the truffle is so it's so unique and this is where going back to imagination human imagination versus reality. I'm not sure we have the vocabulary. Do you know what I mean? Our linguistical ability frustrates me. Am our superlatives, like when we love or we hate, why don't we have a whole spectrum of words? Because I want to tell you that I love you because I do, you know, but I also love my fiance, which is another word, the vocabulary limitation. I know. The word fiancé is embarrassing. It is. It makes us sound like we really think we're French. And I want to be like, I know I'm not French. Does your partner describe you as his fiancé? He does. Does yours? Yes. Well, I don't know, actually. Do you describe me? I don't think you, but we're around each other so much. I don't know if he's ever had to describe me without (laughs) my presence. (laughs) But uh, it's nice to be with somebody who's not a performer or like there's a different kind of intimacy that I really love. Totally. Dude, I dated a few comedians and I was like, never again. And my fiance is a comedy writer. It's perfect. Somebody in our field, but doesn't, doesn't need to be the star at all. I imagine it being with a DP is great because he can take great photos of you, but I don't know because I have this theory that guys or whoever you're dating takes the worst photos of you because they find you attractive. So they don't understand that you look bad sometimes. And I'm like, this photo is disgusting. You know, step 10 feet away from me. It's too close. Like, do I really look like this to you? What's going on? I just, does he take good photos of you? He takes really nice photos of me and he does make me feel beautiful. You're so lucky. But sometimes I feel too loud or too much of a performer. Like there's a normalcy that I'm lacking a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like I blurt too much when I feel awkward, like at the grocery store. I'll blurt things out. It's embarrassing to my child and to my fiance. And it's like, do I need attention? Like in my head, I'm like, I'm stating the obvious. Like these avocados look amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny to blurt that out. You're like, it's just obvious. Everyone's looking at you like, I love your face mask. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you feel like you're like, yes, you're an actress. And so you act in funny things and you're funny, but then you have to like go through life a little bit. Like you're still in a funny movie. That's certainly how I feel. I feel like I grew up watching Seinfeld and like liked it a little too much and kind of go around like, Of course, this is a sitcom, you know, like, of course, I'm going to try and be funny in real life. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I, I got into comedy because I've sent in a tape for Scary Movie. And then when I got Scary Movie, it was just such a shock. It was so like somebody, not just me deciding to jump into the deep end, but somebody pushing me, like a mean kid being like, here you go. And um, so out of my element, so nervous. And then only being known for comedy, which was something I had never done. My college roommate said, Anna, what are you going to do? You're not funny. And I said, I know. And I know that she didn't mean it with any, I was calling her in a panic and she was receiving my panic and she was like, oh, okay, well, what do we do? Well, see, I think that those are the people that make the funniest performers because you don't think you're funny and you don't try. And so you just are naturally you. And that's why you're funny. That's why you stand out because you're just you. And it's so weird. And people are like, that's her. What? This is hilarious. They would never know that you're not actually funny. You're just weird. <laughs> the ultimate embarrassment, though, is that I remember making scary movie and thinking, OK, I know this is a funny movie, but it's also kind of scary. Like, that's what I would get so worked up when the killer's, like, chasing me around the house. That was the only way I could approach things with, like, true sincerity without recognizing comedic elements in that way, I guess. I used to watch Young Frankenstein every day, and I did not know it was a parody or a comedy until, like, high school. I literally thought it was a scary movie. But, like, just assumed that all scary movies were a little silly. Like, I don't know. I didn't know. It sounds like you. <laughs> Completely. Terry Garr was so great in the movie. I mean, it's such a good movie. What was your favorite toy as a child? I really loved my dog. Like, I feel like he was just kind of my whole world. I love it that you describe your dog as a toy. It's who I played with. It's who I connected with. And then, of course, little, like, dog figurines, too. I mean, anytime someone talks about figurines, they don't sound mentally well. So I'm already embarrassed that I said the word figurine. <laughs> Do you like miniatures? When I was little, I mean, right now, I kind of express that need by buying, like, mini shampoo bottles and mini versions of makeup. But I love minis. Yes, I will buy pretty much anything that's a mini version of something else. Does it make you happy if you go camping or like you're on a trip and somebody has a little miniature cereal boxes oh. that you get to pick from? Yes. The mini cereal boxes are so cute. They're so underrated. We like never bring them up in regular society. But you know, when you see them, you're just like, yes. I haven't seen those in a long time though. I used to see those at like like low class hotel free breakfast, but I haven't seen them since then. Which one would you pick? Raisin Bran. What about you? Raisin Bran's a good choice. It's a very adult of you. But it's not. It seems like it's an adult choice, but then it's so sweet and delicious. It's so sweet and delicious. It does get soggy instantly. Isn't that kind of good though? I love raisins. Yeah. Okay. What did you want to be growing up? I think like Broadway dancer. <laughs> like tap? <laughs> 
like, you know, in the ensemble of a Broadway show, like a little tap, a little regular dancing. Do you have it's a line? All, probably not. I probably really want a line. But what but about like, no. hey, everyone, the mayor's here. That's, yes. <laughs> what about you? I probably would have said teacher, but I think that that was false because mm. I just wanted power of some kind. And that was the only powerful figure in my life at that time. I wanted to be able to tell people what to do. <laughs> Did you play school at home? I played orphanage. What? Orphanage and boarding school were my two go-tos and sometimes run away. These sound like role play. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. I was playing them through high school. Like I had these young neighbors that were like four years younger than I was. So they would still play with me. And I had to do the duality of the roles because nobody could be as evil or as powerful as like when I was the headmaster at the boarding school or the orphanage lady, or let's say the cop who's like trying to wrangle up the runaway kids. I had to be both the older sister who got to go on dates and the person in charge. So I had to run back and forth. It was really complicated. <laughs> I cannot imagine what you're like in bed. Like it just seems really, really confusing. And like, I need a handbook for it. And just like, it takes years to figure it out. Uh -uh. Just let me take over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your first boss like? Um, well, my first job was at Johnny Rockets. Shout out to the greatest burger chain in America where that's closing. But my first boss was really wait, nice. Wait, were you a waitress or were you hostess? Waitress. You went straight to waitress. Good for you. Thank you. But, you know, that was in Skokie, Illinois. But when I moved out here, I couldn't get a waitressing job. So I know what you mean. It's hard. It's not easy to get a waitressing job. But in Skokie, it wasn't that hard. So I was a waitress and my boss was really nice. And I felt like, honestly, like back then I used humor in my regular life so much more than I do now, or maybe more so like recently, because now everything is just a shit. But, you know, I was so silly at work. Whereas I feel like when I'm acting on a show, I'm silly, like, when we're shooting and I'm not really silly behind the scenes. Like I'm more just like focused on and stressed out. And, but like, I just remember when I worked at Johnny Rockets, it was really silly and I kind of got away with more because I was so silly. Like if I had to rearrange my schedule for my dance classes, like I just feel like I my boss was just so supportive and would always roll her eyes at me and, you know, but in a really fun way, that's kind of my favorite dynamic is when someone is just like, all right, Esther, like annoyed with me, but low key is like, I love you. Uh, so wait, Esther, with the dance, what style do you love? I really love ballet and jazz and um, tap. I kind of love all the really basic little kid styles. Like I'm not good at hip hop. The fancy dancing that you see like in Instagram videos from the hot dance studios, like I'm not that, but more just like I can really give it my all to a jazz number. Like, do you love Anything Goes? I do. I do too. I had a line in Anything Goes. What was your line? It was... Was it the mayor is here? <laughs> no, no, because we were on a boat, so there's no mayor of the boat. It was probably... Right. It was like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it was 11th grade. It was the big spring musical. 
And like a fall show, a winter show, nobody would ever come. And then the big spring musical where all the popular kids, suddenly it was fine for them to be a part of drama club. Are you serious? That makes me so angry. I knew I loved you. So, you know, all the cool kids came in. They were like, yeah, mom and dad, I'm going to do the spring musical so I can get to college. And then they got the leads. Nothing makes me more infuriated than that. Popular kids crossing over into theater just like when they feel like it is so unfair. It's disturbing. There should be laws against it. It's traumatizing. Like that has messed you up for your whole life, I bet. They were not painting like the backdrops till like 7.30 at night. No, they were at fucking football. Well, it almost reminds me of like, you know, and I definitely am not trying to be like a hater of anybody, but like when you see the like really perfect, rich teenagers on Instagram, like if they started trying to do like comedy acting, that's like that, you know, like because cool rich teens are the scariest breed of human. I don't care what anyone says. And if they started trying to do comedy, it just would it would just destroy me. Like I don't want to admit to that, but I'm going to admit to it to you. But do you think that comedy has to be rooted in our in our vulnerability and insecurity in order to create that connection? You have to embarrass yourself to some degree. Like you just have to be embarrassing as hell. And look maybe that perfect unicorn is out there and she wears, you know, triangle bras for t-shirts and she's just better than you and I in every way we could ever imagine. And maybe she'll be funny. I'm sure she's coming, but for now the popular kids need to stay away from the musical. That's really just all that this is about. Yeah. It's almost like the confession or the vomiting of embarrassment becomes the relief. That's my coping. Totally. You're right. It's like, I know that I'm gross and weird. Look, see? Yeah. You can't talk about this behind my back because I'm showing it to you to your face. Right. But when you meet those people who are so not like us and they're very put together. and Yeah. I really respect when I meet people like that and then they're they're so in character. Like they're so themselves. Like. I have friends in fashion and they're just, they're just perfect from head to toe. Like their underwear matches their whole outfit. And like, if you ask them if they did bodily functions, they'd be like, no, I don't. And I respect that. It's like, you chose your lane of not being human, but I'm here for it. I worship it. I'm like, thank you for being so different than me. I love this. To me, people in fashion unnerve me a little bit. Although I do have some like stylist friends, you know, I work with this sweet, amazing lady who's like, I know you only want to try on two things. And so here they are. And I'm like, great. Does trying on clothes bring up trauma for you? Because for me, I'm like, every time I try on clothes, I think of being in a dressing room with my mom and like, I gained weight in college and she's like, why did you have to gain weight? Like I just, I always go back. That doesn't matter what I look like in the mirror. It's traumatic to try on clothes. Oh, completely. Especially like work stuff of trying on clothes too is a whole other thing. And they're taking pictures of you and you know, they're going to go to the producers and it's like, I should have put on more powder on my face because I know, or I should suppose a little bit better, but I don't know how to, or like, how do I continue to sell myself? Even though I already have the job. I know though, you you always have to be selling yourself. It's weird, or at least that's what we tell ourselves. But I will say, if you haven't seen yourself, a picture of yourself in a beautiful, like styled outfit, but your face is just absolute pure garbage with no makeup your hair is disgusting like there's something about that image I know you know that it's gonna go to everybody 
<laughs> oh, God. I remember one time I was doing Scary Movie 3, and we had a new director, and um, my character, Cindy, she was a news caster and so they had me work with a local anchor woman in Vancouver, Canada. So this newscaster came in and and then they decided to film it, but I didn't have any makeup on. Somebody behind the scenes was like, "Why don't you put on some makeup?" Ugh. And I remember feeling like, Ugh. "Dude, it is the third one of these movies I've done. Am I going to get fired if I look shiny?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Like only my mom would say that to me. And anyone else, it's just it's so Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. Okay. Who has influenced your career the most, do you think? Weirdly, like my dad, because... I remember when I finally like could afford new glasses while I was out here as like a struggling comedian. And I got them when I was home for Christmas break. And I was like, I love wearing my glasses. You know, I think what I'll do is I'll wear them almost every day. And then when I have like auditions and stuff, I'll put my contacts in like, you know, if I have to go out and do stuff. And he's like, oh, no, you should wear your glasses to your auditions. And I was like, Really? He's like, yeah, just you should. And he, my dad is like not in the business. He's just like 77-year-old crazy man in Illinois, like used to be a salesman, just, you know, weird old guy. He's like, you should wear your glasses to your auditions. I'm like, okay. And then the first audition I went on with my glasses, I got the job and it was for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And it was also the first like TV and film, whatever, not commercial TV audition that I went on that I actually got the job. And so I'm like, oh my God, do I actually owe this to my dad and my glasses? This is so messed up. But I guess he was right. And then that character, Maya, ended up being four seasons on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Like that was her thing, her glasses. And I'm just like, okay, I'm, my instincts are bad. <laughs> like it is weird though, realizing that you're in, my literal instinct was never wear these to an audition. And then someone said, no, do it. And then it worked. I love that. So it's that. a good lesson. Like your gut is good, but it also is so wrong. <laughs> After I got Scary Movie, I was getting some work, but also a lot of rejection. And my dad told me the sweetest thing one time. He was like, honey, you are the ornate chair. They already have their sofas. They already have their coffee table. And you're this crazy chair they don't know what to do with. <laughs> rejection is so key. I mean, very similar. I remember my dad always told me that my strongest suit is my ability to handle rejection, which is kind of messed up. It's not like your strongest suit is your talent. It's it's like, no, you can you can get rejected and you keep going. He's like, I can't believe that you can do that. 
He's like, that's really crazy. And I'm, I'm like, to me, that's the easiest thing. That's the one thing I can do that I can control doing. But it's true. It's like, I can be rejected. You can reject me and I'll keep going. And that's, I realized that's a skill, apparently. 100%. And it's a really important one. The reason I brought that up with your dad with the glasses, too, is because, of course, it made me think, like, you are in the ornate chair. And your dad knows that, you know? And, and he was like, just own the uniqueness. Right. That's true. Okay. So what is the best or worst advice you've ever been given? Well, the best advice in stand-up comedy was given to me by Bobby Lee. And I've seen him give it to, you know— pretty much every open micer that crosses his path that wants like the secret sauce. And it's such good advice. It's so simple. He's like, you just have to get on stage. There's nothing else to it. You just have to keep getting on stage. And the way he says it, he's so convincing and he's so honest and blunt. I really took it in. I know Bobby well. And if there was a secret, he would tell me because he's such a generous, nice person. And he's telling me that there is no secret. You have to get on stage. I'm like, all right, I actually, I believe this. And that really helped guide me that there's no secret to getting better at stand-up. You just have to keep doing it over and over again. An ex of mine decided that he wanted to be a screenwriter. And so he wrote, he sort of wrote a movie and was kind of devastated when the response was not very positive. And to me, it felt so frustrating. And I didn't want to hurt his feelings, but it felt like, this is your freshman effort. Yeah. But to what you're saying, if this is your drive and your goal, then you just have to, you have to go through the pain and the rejection and then you get back up. And Well, it makes me think of the saying that we used to say, embarrassingly enough, in high school theater, um, which was a freshman who thinks they're a senior will always be a freshman. That screenwriting story made me think of it. It's like, yeah, you can't think you're going to start out and be awesome. Like, you're just not. No, if you think that, like, don't think that. And don't think that and let that accidentally happen. That's not coming. Yeah, I think that with Scary Movie and to Keenan's credit, our director, he, I don't think there was ever a moment where I felt spoiled or indulged. It felt to me very much like boot camp. Hmm. It was so good for me. Right. Okay, what's your favorite rainy day movie? Honestly, Psycho. I love that movie. I love the creepiness. I love the I love that there's just this crazy twist. I love that it's black and white. I love the era that it takes me to. I love the locations. And I don't know, I just like I love looking up at like Mrs. Bates's house and how creepy and mysterious it is. I just love that movie so much. But, like, creepy things are cozy to me. Did Janet deserve to die in that movie? No. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, though, that that movie, like, starts out kind of really feministy? Yes. She, like, steals from work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, what happens makes it really not feministy, but it really starts out like it's this empowering woman who's on the run, so I kind of try to like take that in too and like how cool she is, what she's doing. And then obviously it becomes about something else. But the first part of the movie is a totally different movie. And when you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, this is something else too. Like someone should make this movie where she doesn't get, you know, killed and what happens. She just wants a relaxing. I don't blame her. Okay. All right. Psycho <laughs> Esther. All right. All right. I love that answer. Do you have a favorite book or author? 
You know, I just recently read I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is Michelle McNamara's book. She was married to Patton Oswald, and it's about the Golden oh. State Killer. I seem very murdery, and I'm so not. I love murdery. It's so good. Her book is incredible. It's about the Golden State Killer, and this queen was so obsessed with this murderer, and she... You just can tell that she's such a talented writer. She's so thoughtful and she threw herself into it. And I respect that more than anything when someone is so passionate about something that they know every detail that they they really just go all in. And that's what she does in this book. There's nothing like it, in my opinion. It's so. And in fact, if anyone out there has a recommendation similar, please let me know. But it's awesome. She's amazing. So something that I, I've been thinking a little bit about is I listen to like crime podcasts. Yeah. And I like crime shows. But my partner, Michael, does not – like his stomach is a little queasier. And he used to like shoot CSI. So I was thinking like why is this easier for me to digest? My theory is that women are more – we are adjusted from a very young age to be fearful of strangers. Expecting everyone around you to kill you. Right, yeah. And then to be like, you know, to, to be aware in a way that maybe men aren't as much. I'm not sure. I think that's a great theory. So then there's almost comfort or it's not comfort, but maybe there's relief in the idea of like, oh, yeah, my fears. Here's This is confirming like what I've been feeling like since I was four that, yes, there are like evil people out there and you don't know if you go for a morning jog, what's going to happen? And yep, there it happened. Uh, like I wonder in a weird way why it's more digestible for me well it's that's such a, a great observation because same my fiance does not participate in the murder listening with me and honestly even more fucked up to say but like usually the victims are women and maybe it's because we relate to the victims more and so like we can really dig into the story and put ourselves in that position and maybe men can't do that. I don't know. That's a great observation. I would really like to look more into that. It's almost like there's a comfort in, oh yes, we have been scared for a reason because look, this is what can happen. And it's like, yep, yeah, I knew it. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And it's also like a little homework assignment. It's like, okay, well, I'm listening to this and like, it's just kind of reminding me to be careful and reminding me to follow certain rules and within reason, of course, but maybe it's like you feel like you're helping yourself a little by learning and listening. Esther, this is for the next podcast. Your homework is to just <laughs> ruminate on these concept, this concept, and then we can get back to it after you've I'm come up with to, this solution. I'm going to ask my fiance. Yeah. If, like, why he's not Why he doesn't it. like uh, murder. <laughs> but if you listen to crime podcast you'll you should listen to the i'll be on in the dark audiobook because it'll be a really fun oh, like is it out now yes okay it'll be like like a special crime podcast i love that okay what is a trait you dislike in others a lack of self-awareness is really hard for me my favorite relationship in friendships and anything is when you can openly tell me what's bad about me and I can openly tell you what's bad about you like my friendships are always like that they just instantly cut me make fun of me but it's so from a place of love and so I just love when everyone's open and honest and self-aware you know they can tell me something bad about me and I can laugh at it because I'm aware of it they're not surprising me so I really respect self-awareness more than anything that must have been jarring then when you moved to Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs>
Actually, moving to Los Angeles is what taught me that that's what I like because I experienced so much of not that. (laughs) Yeah. Here's a new question that I haven't asked yet. What makes you feel generous? When I am talking to a friend and they really need help with a specific situation and I turn on every brain cell and just focus and take it in and give every inch of my attention and time to helping them get through this situation is when I feel so generous and I feel really good about it. And I I feel like I get good feedback from my friends like, oh, like when I really have a thing, I call you and you really help me. And that just fuels me. Whenever I get that compliment, like it fuels me to always want to be there to dial in hard and help them. I bet that you're intensely loyal and I bet you do give very good advice. I think so. I hope so. I try to be really objective and give every side and observe everything. So look, I don't want to sit here and say I give good advice because I think that's kind of lame to try to sell yourself as. But you're thoughtful. Thoughtful. We'll say that. Yeah. What about you? What makes you feel generous? May I ask? Oh, God. When do I feel generous? I feel generous when I don't say what I want to say. Oh. Like when I don't say, oh, I told you so. Like suppression of that kind of idea makes me feel like, all right, I'm going to become an adult at some point. Right. Oh, my God. That's such a good one. Like when somebody says something and they're kind of poking you mm-hmm. and you don't take the bait. Mm-hmm. Yes, not taking the bait. Yep. That's some generosity. Yeah. Okay. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Sadly, a shed in my parents' backyard. <laughs> I can't deny the truth. What about you? Nice deflection. I was wondering how your fiance maybe feels about shed living. Oh, yeah. That's not great. He can't come <laughs> with me there. I fell in love with Italy. I say that I studied there. I didn't study. I ate and I drank and I like went to crazy nightclubs and I did really stupid things. You did? Yeah. I was going through a really angry time in my life. I was really mad about being a woman. I decided, I don't know, maybe around fourth grade that I was an atheist because I just didn't understand why I felt as intelligent yet less powerful. You know, I wasn't digging the rules that were being laid out for me. I'm curious if this is similar at all, but when we would go on field trips, I would feel really uncomfortable because of how authoritative the adults were on the field trips. Like, let's say we went to a museum. But if I had gone to that museum with my parents, my parents would treat me as an equal and just like an adult too. But when you're in the real world with teachers and parent volunteers, I don't know, it made me very uncomfortable how much of a child I was treated like in situations like that. Yeah. I have an older brother and he's big and he's smart and he's wonderful. I love him to death, but growing up, I was really short. That was my identity. And so it was very much emphasized the gender rule difference for me. Mm. I love how you're looking at me. It makes me feel nervous. No, I'm I'm like taking it in and putting it through my experience. And I mean, certainly along those lines, not the same, but like, you know, in comedy, you meet and really respect all comedians, but then you meet some male comedians and you'll really want to be one of, for lack of a better term, like one of the guys with them, you'll want to be friends with them, but then maybe like they don't see you that way and they like want to 
make out or something. And you're like, well, of course you're awesome, but like, no, let's be friends. Like, I don't know. I just, I know what you mean. There's like a longing at times to just kind of have the treatment that men have too. Completely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Esther, have you been in positions where your male comedic colleagues have been worried that you would be offended by material or is that kind of not in your experience? I don't think anyone's ever worried. I mean, you know, there's the occasional like you're doing a set in like, you know, random city and the random opener does a set that's like really offensive towards women. And you're like, you know, now I wouldn't tolerate that. But that was just kind of a thing that I had tolerated, but not really like people I'm, I know well out here. But typically when I see a set that just feels like it makes me uncomfortable, I just kind of avoid that person. What bothers me? I'm not precious and I don't want to be perceived as being precious at all. Totally. And I have no reason pretty much to ever be offended because I'm so fucking lucky and I view myself as a strong person. And the idea of being offended makes me feel like there's a chink in my armor somehow that like, oh, I can't handle this. Right. Well, because we're trained as comedy people that we have to like go with it. Yeah, but I will say what bothers me is laziness. It's like, no, I'm not offended mm. by your stupid shit. I just don't find it funny or totally. interesting or that observant. Totally. But the lack of imagination is what's troublesome. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, let's see the second draft of that. Yeah. To be fully honest, like, I don't watch that much stand-up, especially right now because I'm I'm like, is stand-up ever coming back? Like, I should just move on, even though I do have a stand-up special coming out. <laughs> but usually when a stand-up special comes out, it's like an advertisement for people to come see you perform live. But if that's not safe for my audience, I'm not doing it. So now my stand-up special is an advertisement for my tie-dye business, which is a little unconventional. But it's 2020. What isn't? <laughs> so, Esther, I love that. <laughs> Here's the thing that I did that was stupid is I created a business that requires me to do every element of it by hand. So the <laughs> slowness of my ability to get things out, but keep in mind, like it's still great because it's all for my mental well-being. Like it's very soothing to me to make the tie-dye. It's literally soothing to me to pack orders. Like it's this weird, small, small, small side business, as tiny as you can imagine. But it serves its purpose for sure. But that purpose is not making money. Oh, I forgot. Also, all the proceeds are going to charity. So, and they're not a lot. So 
<laughs> Esther, that's amazing, though. I want some of your tie-dye. It's called Sleepover, right? Sleepover by Sleepover Esther. Sleepover by Esther. I would love to send you some. I would love that. But I also totally kind of to. want to see you make it. I want, like, just a small video, like a 30-second video of you in the backyard, like, dipping the things, <laughs> rubber banding, and, like, whatever. I have to do that. <laughs> okay, so the harder one, to whom would you most like to apologize and why? Oh, probably my fiance. I'm like, I'm sorry that that you fell for me. I am sorry because I am so messy and I know he doesn't want me to be messy and I try, but it's ultimately never gonna it's never gonna be quite what he what he needs it to be. I'm just very sorry to him. And we always joke that like, look, if you ever have to kill me. Just know that I trust you so much that you did it because you had to. Like, I trust that your choice of killing me was, like, the right choice. And I think even my parents would agree. But what method do you think he would use? He's asked me before what I prefer. I'm like, I just trust your judgment. Like, you go for it. He's so sweet. We could do, like, I don't know, something you just sleep or I don't know. Yeah, I think like Benadryl should be involved. It doesn't feel very exciting though. But he wouldn't be exciting about it. He would be very thoughtful. He's a thinker. That's why we're a good pair because I'm impulsive, right? Like you could literally say to me, Esther, like, let's fly to Paris right now. And I'd be like, okay, like uh, I'm going to book the tickets. Like I will just do whatever it is in a second. And he's very thoughtful. So I think we're good. Cancel each other out. Okay, what haven't you taken the time to learn about? Gosh, so much. That's like impossible. But like everything, because I'm just not that much of a, you know, learner. Like I don't really know much about history. Yeah. I wish that I knew another language so I could understand minutia of like what words do they have that are better than ours. It also seems so challenging to be able to speak two languages or even more than that. It just seems like your brain is better than mine if you can do that. That is so magical to me. Like, think of how small-minded I feel. Like, I have one language, and some people have more than that. That's so cool. And it just seems really, really not possible to learn. Yeah. Okay. What feels familiar? Um, I think food is really good for me in terms of familiarity. I'm a very nostalgic person. So for me, I can pop into a McDonald's drive-thru and get a Happy Meal and like go right back and feel familiar and feel safe, which is by the way, like the genius that is the McDonald's corporation. Like you guys got me. Flavor expectation. Just you guys nailed it. I'm eating your garbage to like remind me of my childhood. Congrats. You win. Yeah. Food, especially, you know, when I was touring for stand-up, like I loved that no matter where I was, I could walk into a Starbucks. And I know that's very controversial, right? Because a lot of people want like to try the local stuff. I do both. I always find like the local coffee shop that I want to try their oat milk latte at. And then I love popping into a Starbucks for like an ice cream tea, unsweetened, and just feeling familiar, feeling comfortable. Almost like you have a friend in every city where you can just kind of feel like you're at home, a little taste of it. I can't imagine. I mean, I've worked on location before and stayed in, I imagine, the kind of places that probably you stay at when you're doing stand-up. Shitty places? Well, like corporate hotel-y kind of places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And so there is that feeling of kind of intense loneliness and familiarity at the same time. Like I, when mm-hmm. things start to just look exactly the same, which is comforting. Totally. So uh, what does your perfect day look like? Okay, perfect day. It's weird because I have two ideas of it. Like one is kind of the unrealistic, messed up, all about like eating the perfect meal. I used to like really obsess over that. I don't anymore. But like I do feel like the perfect day ends with one square of dark chocolate and like a mint tea and like an evening relaxing yoga. Now, have I ever done any of those things? No. I know. I was I was so impressed. I was also a little bit turned off, Esther. Oh. Because like, oh man, that does sound perfect, but I don't know if I could accomplish that. Totally. And that's what I'm saying. It's like I have that one idea where, oh, you live in LA, you're an actress, like you have this little perfect like schedule. But that's I've learned. Took me eleven years to figure it out. That's never coming. That that fairy version of me is not knocking on the door anytime soon. So I would say a perfect day within reality is, you know, you wake up, I have an espresso machine. I make an oat milk latte. I have tablet time. I FaceTime with my friends all day. I do some tie dyeing. I take a, a generous walk. Oh, that's nice. Alone? I'll go with my fiance or maybe, you know, my AirPods. I like a walk. Yeah. Exercise is just not happening for me right now, but a walk is a really happy medium. For sure. Me and everyone inside my head, we can all agree that a walk benefits everybody. So that's the gist of it. Do you know, I heard somewhere that like, I don't know, Wordsworth or one of those poets would walk 18 miles a day. I mean. And I love that idea though. Of course, like if you're a great poet, you walk 18 miles a day while you're thinking of your poems. I mean, that's a lot of like mental digestion when you're just like, hmm, I don't know. My feet would not handle that. They would hurt. I was also thinking about the mental concentration that it takes, truly how your vision adjusts to what you're looking at because you have to keep your eyes on the ground to some degree. And then you look up and your vision has to recalculate itself with the beauty around you. I recently had someone tell me about why hiking is so good. And I just have been very curious about why can some people get addicted to hiking? Like now I'm eager to hike. I Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to. Oh, but Esther, I'm misleading. When I say hike, I think you're imagining me going uphill. <laughs> I'm just walking on dirt that's flat. Back and forth. <laughs> Back and forth. So it's walking on dirt. <laughs> Hiking sounds ambitious. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So who would you like to invite to your dream dinner party? I mean, I'm a female pop music freak. So it would have to be like Madonna, Lady Gaga, or Lana Del Rey, you know? That would be amazing. There'd be full Boston market sides being plated, (laughs) like pretending I made them. It would be a full Boston market situation. I love it. (laughs) Okay. In one word, how would you like to be remembered? Weird. Oh, no. That's not my word. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of just like using my name. Like, just remember my name because I think my name is weird and doesn't quite fit with who I am mostly just because I'm not 97 years old. Oh, really? So I think like if I'm remembered with my name, that like my spirit and 
along with my name. I think I'm happy with that. I didn't like my name growing up. I like it now. It sums up, I think, a little bit of my career in the like, please take me seriously element of like that thing that's in me, the slight like Napoleon complex or something. Mm. It's been an okay journey for me, my name. Have you always liked your name? No, I didn't used to because it's the kind of name where every time you meet someone, they're like, oh, that's my dead grandma's name. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, which is actually sweet. And now I really appreciate when people tell me that. But when I grew up, I was like, oh, so I'm just like the ugly grandma. Like, I get it. And I feel like this name was always used as a punchline in movies and stuff. Like, it's not Alexis. I'll put it like that. It's not Amber. It's not Tiffany. It's not like a sexy name. But that said, I do really like it now. And I like that how it has shaped me to have this name and how it has kept me down, (laughs) kept me self-deprecating. I so feel you. I wanted to be Austin. Ooh. I wanted my name to be Austin who like rides a horse because yeah. it was like tough but pretty and I sexy and that. it was a place. It was like a destination. I know. Place names are real good. I would like ride my little bicycle and I didn't have a cool one. I had like a banana seat bicycle. <laughs> I'd pretend it was my horse and I would be Austin like I'm out of this town. <laughs> Did you ever imagine like your identity with a different... I didn't. No, I never did. You know when you want something so bad, you just don't even think about it because it'll just hurt you? That's kind of probably my approach to having a different name. Like, I'm not even going to go there. It's a beautiful name, though. It really Thank is. Thank you. I'm definitely into it now, but, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a grown-up now. But it was, it's, it was a journey getting to that point. Okay. I forgot to ask you, when you did stand-up for the first time, how did you structure your show? No idea. I don't know. I don't know anything about building a set or whatever it's called. Honestly, though, I just go up and talk freely. You know, in the beginning, maybe like you pick one subject and you're like, I'm just going to go up there and talk about this weird call I had with my mom or something like that. Really, you just have to know that you'll survive bombing and just kind of try. I don't think I ever could. Oh, my God. But you're so funny naturally that you'd be a great stand-up comedian. I mean, the lifestyle is absolutely disturbing because you have to go out at night. Like, I don't miss that, but you'd be really amazing. Esther, that's really sweet, but I know already know I think my set would be like asking questions to the audience and then answering them myself. I love that. I think that would be so funny because <laughs> you'd be so <laughs> you. It would be just so funny and weird. Esther, I could not love you more. And thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Should we plug some of your passion things? Sure. My stand-up special is called Hot For My Name, and it's going to air on Comedy Central Friday, July 17th. And then it'll stream online. So you can find that via Comedy Central. It's called Hot For My Name. And it's a stand-up special mixed with some documentary footage with my parents. Documentary footage? I love that with your parents. Yes. Yeah, and it is. It's produced by Happy Madison, which I know you're in the Happy Madison family too. They made my dream come true. That's so fun. (laughs) Um, Hey, Esther, thank you so, so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm so, I can't wait to meet you in person. Me too. We can go on a hike, which is really a walk. (laughs) 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 That sounds fun. Bye, Esther. Bye, guys.